Hi everyone, it's Stephanie Kay and welcome to another episode of Hey Steph. If this is your first time listening, I want to welcome you to this podcast where I talk about everything from relationships, pop culture, corporate, life, just everything in between. So I hope that you enjoy this particular episode. And if you have not had an opportunity to do so, I do invite you to check out some of my prior episodes. This is fairly a new podcast, so your support is greatly appreciated and your listening ship is also extremely appreciated because it just really keeps me going and your your feedback definitely also helps me to understand how I can better serve you, what kind of content you are looking for, and what you think about some of the prior episodes and, and how what are some of the things you would like for me to talk about. And eventually I will be bringing on guests to come and share the mic with me. I'm so looking forward to that. I know so many awesome people that I think that you would really love to hear from. But until that time, you are here with me, little old me, the whole me. It's me on the mic today. So yes, thank you so much again for listening and for being here. I really enjoy doing this podcast. I am running this podcast while I'm also blogging. My blog is Remarkable Steph on WordPress.com. If you have not checked out my work there, I would really love it if you would do that. Support for content creators like myself, that's really all that we have is your eyes and your ears. And I certainly can appreciate that your time is so valuable. So with that in mind, I try to create content that is worthy of someone like yourself taking a moment to listen, to turn on the podcast while you're doing a load of laundry, maybe commuting to wherever it is you need to go. Just anytime you have a free moment to listen, I know that you have a lot of options. And so if you spend a little bit of time with me, trust me, I it means more than you know. So I'm going to dive right into today's episode. So today's episode is going to be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. In the previous episode, I talked about Black history and what Black history means to me. And we are almost, believe it or not, it's just so mind-boggling that we are approaching the second month of this new year. I mean, just like a second ago, it feels like we were just counting down to the new year. And here we are almost two months into it. So it's just really amazing how time is flying and today it's a really blizzardy wintry weather here on the northeast or in here on the east coast I should say so yeah I hope that everybody is safe and wherever you are if you're somewhere where it is inclement weather cold just stay warm stay safe and all of that good stuff so I have spent nine and a half years in human resources and I've been working in the field aligned to the HR profession, the role, employee relations. I've been aligned with that profession for, wow, like 15 years, over 15 years. 
So it's a subject that isn't relevant to me just on a personal level. It's something that I have experience with professionally. So that is the perspective that I'm going to be speaking of. And on this podcast, I speak from my own frame of reference. I know that I have the opportunity being on a podcast that goes everywhere and that could be heard anywhere where a person can listen to a podcast. I do understand the the scope of that platform or, or of this platform, but just please understand when you're listening to this podcast, unless otherwise stated, the views expressed here are my own and I'm speaking from my perspective. I certainly overstand that there is multiple opinions about anything. I mean, if you get 10 people in a room, you could possibly have nine or 10 different opinions. And so that is the case just about every, about every subject, any subject. And I am a black woman. And so although I can identify and I am associated and aligned to so many different types of groups, I'm speaking for myself and maybe some of those views might be shared by some of the people who are like me and maybe they're not. And I'm okay with that. We have to, I think, be able to have constructive discourse when necessary. I think that we have to be able to express our opinions constructively. Um, And there is a fine line with that. And we're seeing that like people are disguising vitriol and negativity under the guise of, well, this is just my opinion. Not all opinions need to be shared, especially when they can't be supported or they are not based on by a reasonable person's standard. They're just not based in any form or semblance of reality or or facts. But anyway, I'm kind of, you know leaning somewhere else where I just don't want this particular episode to go. I'm cool going there, but just, you know, I want to make sure that I am respectful of everyone's time. So there is, especially since the murder of George Floyd, a lot of companies came to the realization of we really need to think about in a more meaningful way how we stand up diversity, equity, and inclusion practices Some companies, major corporations already had existing programs or HR practices, but they probably realized in certain instances that they really needed to put more attention. They needed to expand. They needed to um, maybe grow their, their candidate pools to ensure that when they are doing or conducting internal external hires or hiring that they are making sure that they are not overlooking qualified candidates who also happen to come from diverse backgrounds. And then there are some companies apparently that did not have a satisfactory, what they believe to be a satisfactory program within their organization. And I can appreciate those companies really taking a very hard look at itself or themselves to say, you know what, we might have missed the mark here and we want to do better. And if you go on any job search 
platform, you'll see a lot of with certainly within the last you know year or so, you'll see a lot of companies talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and in certain roles, they're looking for someone to champion those efforts or to lead those programs, which is really interesting because if you think about you know the the history of the the civil rights movement which really fought hard and so many people not just Dr. King I mean Dr. Martin Luther King Jr was the face of the movement and he is often given a lot of credit for the eventual civil rights title 7 1964 title 7 um, law or act that, you know, basically, you know, prevented people, you know, not just black people that prevented people who are otherwise qualified to be discriminated against based upon their race, their religion, their gender, their religious background, their color, etc. And Sometimes when I look at what's happening today, I'm just trying to really think about, well, why was that not enough? Because that seemed to be so straightforward. It really fought for everybody's rights. It it really fought to to say that all all men and not just the gender men, but just all human beings are created equal. But I guess, and and society certainly has proven that we had to quantify that in certain areas because I guess, you know, just people just, you know, wanted to interpret that uh, the way that they wanted to. And so when I look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, and when I think about certain corporate spaces, I see how that particular term is loaded. And what I mean by loaded is that um, how people who do not identify as a person of color, how they perceive that. And in my opinion, it seems as if some people take it as affirmative action, where affirmative action seemed to suggest that a person was given preference based upon their race and their race alone when that actually was not the spirit and intent behind affirmative action. It just said that instead of 100% of something like, let's say, college admissions, instead of 100% of the admissions going to non-diverse candidates, you needed to make sure that a certain percentage out of 100 were in consideration that your that your applicant pool did set aside a percentage that allowed qualified students or potential or prospective students to be able to attend that institution to be allowed to apply to that institution it it wasn't saying that you know, somebody who did not qualify, who did not qualify, you know, and have similar qualifications as their non-person of color peer, that they could just, you know, just be given something that wasn't what it was about. But I understand that if 
you know, a person has a belief about something and they have to feel that, you know what, regardless, this is, it's not about what the intended practice was for. It's about how I receive it and what I believe is being taken away from me. And it's just really interesting, honestly, to to hear different perspectives when you hear about, you know, even black history, like there's even some dialogue, you know, in certain areas that say, well, you know, why do you even need black history? You know, like, you know, black people are on TV They're you know, we're doing the same thing or whatever. And I'll just say this to that. I remember growing up like in my, you know, late teens, basically when I was able to, you know, buy my own makeup. I remember uh, going to department stores and there really being limited options for me and my complexion. And I'm not a darker complected black woman. I'm like, you know, like a brownish, light brown complexion. So in theory, that shouldn't be very hard to color match me to find a foundation or a concealer that would be compatible with my skin. But at the time, and we're talking about, let's say mid nineties, like 94, 95 or so, um, it I didn't have a lot of options in terms of makeup. Like like if I wanted to wear foundation or I wanted to wear concealer, there was one department store, there was one makeup line in most major department stores that I knew that I could go to if I wanted to for sure find my color and that was Fashion Fair Cosmetics which was a part of Johnson and Johnson Publications which published the infamous Ebony magazine and Jet magazine. So, but what if you wanted options, right? Because if, you know, you go to a department store, okay, you have Estee Lauder, you have Lancome, you have Chanel. At the time you had prescriptives, you had Yves Saint Laurent, you had all kinds of make Clarins, you had all of these other makeup counters, for everyone else and for you, so long as you didn't want any face makeup. Like if you wanted skincare, that's cool. If you wanted lipstick, that's fine. If you wanted eye makeup, that was cool. But if you wanted to have foundation or you wanted to get pressed powder or loose powder, your options were very limited, right? And so I remember there being a makeup line where there was actually two that stood out to me in the department store space in the premier makeup brand space. And the two makeup lines that I remember that were new at the time and innovative because they did provide diverse color options for women like me. And that was Bobby Brown Cosmetics and MAC Cosmetics. When I would go to a department store, in addition to all of those other lines, and in addition to Fashion Fair, I could go to Bobby Brown and actually find a concealer 
that matched my skin. It might not have been perfect, but it was the closest that any other line had gotten to. Um, and then, like I said, MAC Cosmetics. It was, to me, just their face makeup. It was just amazing, not to mention MAC was known at the time for their lipsticks and their eye color, their eye, their pigmented eyeshadows. So when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, well, yeah, the 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 department store landscape from the cosmetic standpoint, yeah, it was equitable. Yeah, I could go to any counter really that I wanted to, but in terms of diversity and the inclusion piece. That is where some of those lines fall short or fell short. And some of them, not those brands that I I listed, but even still, if you go to certain makeup counters, there's still opportunity for deeper skin tones for people who have deeper, darker skin complexions, very melanated skin. Sometimes those individuals, they still have a hard time color matching. And if you're going to choose to wear makeup, and this is just one example. I mean, there's so many different examples, but because I am a makeup, a former makeup artist and I'm really into makeup, this is something that I can clearly talk about all day. But when we talk about your, your personal appearance, your face, your face is your business card. This is how you present yourself to the world. And so it is important that you give good face. It is important that the face that you put forward is your best. And how does it feel? And some people will never know what it feels like to be able to, to, to walk into a counter or to walk into a store or walk into a space and you are not served. Or you are not served in the right way. That is a privilege to not know what I'm talking about. It is a privilege to never walk into a store and never had the experience of not being able to go to any makeup counter you wanted. And not feel like you were being properly served. And I'm not even talking about the person standing behind the counter, but there was nothing offered for you. How does that feel? It really feels bad. You don't feel good because these same brands, right? When you think about the marketing spaces and you think about, you know, advertising, the the spirit and intent behind Marketing and advertising is to relate to the targeted audience and to depict something, whether it be on print or on television, that the intended consumer can relate to. You can relate to driving that beautiful car. You can relate to using those beautiful, shiny appliances. You can relate or you want or you aspire to have the hair that that hair commercial is promising you. To have that beautiful, flawless skin that that makeup line is is promising you. So those marketing campaigns generally 
go out to the masses, but behind the scenes, there is a targeted audience and it feels really, really sad and you feel left out. And sometimes it plays into feelings of unworthiness when something is thought to be for you but it turns out that it's not or that you can't join in to something that you really should otherwise be able to enjoy because experiences don't have a color, right? I, if I'm driving you know, a car or whatever, I want to feel good. I want that feeling. I want to be able to turn the music up. I don't think that that's exclusive to someone based upon their race or color, but If when I go to get that and my experience in trying to replicate what was marketed to me that is not ultimately what I get in real life, that's a problem. And like I said, we're just talking about products or whatever. But when you work in, let's say, corporate spaces and you can work for someone who, you know, doesn't necessarily share the same views as you or, you know, have a similar background as you or whatever, but there's a job that needs to get done and it doesn't matter necessarily who you are until maybe it does, right? And so this is where this conversation is very deep and I'm just making generalizations But I think that diversity, equity, and inclusion, it can't just be a campaign and it can't be something that a corporation or a business, it can't be, it can't be a commercial, right? It's more than just having diverse actors depicting scenarios, either in, you know, marketing campaigns or, you know, come work here campaigns, recruitment campaigns. It has to be more than that. It has to be a feeling. It has to be a practice. It has to be something that is executed. It is saying that, you know, we are looking for qualified applicants to fill this particular role and, Of all of those applicants that are invited or encouraged to apply, we want to make sure that we give equal credit or consideration is probably the better word, consideration to candidates who come from diverse backgrounds. It's not about hiring a diverse candidate over another candidate who is not considered that who is more qualified. That's not what it's about. It, it is about, yes, the job should go to the best qualified, not for a person based upon the color of their skin. Um, but you should also make a meaningful effort or a meaningful effort should be made to ensure that everyone is able to have a proverbial seat at the table. So, I'm definitely going to do maybe a part two on this particular topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I would really love to hear your thoughts on it, maybe hear what some of your experiences are. 
and let's talk about it. So in the meantime, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on this particular episode. I look forward to you joining me on future episodes of Hey Steph. And I want us to be social. So in the show notes, I have how you can contact me, how you can get in contact with me and leave your feedback and let me know what you thought about this episode or what you think about the podcast in general. So take good care and thank you so much for listening. Until next time.